Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Kristen Lepianca, and I'm so thrilled to be here with Allison Stein. Allison, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, your book, Road Out of Winter, came out at the beginning of September, and it is a thrilling and chilling dystopian nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, I I read it, and I, I had seen comparisons to Station Eleven, which I very well deserved, I think, which um, that's a huge compliment to your talent. Oh, thank for you. Sure. That was a um, big favorite of mine, too. Yeah, like, it's just, that's one of those books that, like, you can't you can't really say like oh reading this is uh, pleasant isn't quite the right word it's like in, enjoyable to read but it's also terrifying and scary because it's so believable it's not like a dystopian far out there this would never happen like you can you can see this happening right absolutely and i think a lot of the stuff in there um is fears that have happened in my life that I that I fear um, even before we were living in the kind of dystopia we're living in now. Right. You know, I mean, the world yeah. has always been a dystopia for many people, right. especially women, people of color, people who are living in poverty. And, yes. you know, the book talks about that, as you know. So do you want to just give us a little description of uh, the particular dystopia that you are writing about? Absolutely. So Road Out of Winter is about a young woman marijuana farmer who has who has to protect her found family from the leader of a violent cult in Appalachia. And it's a part of Appalachia where I lived myself for many years. But in the book, it's just been ravaged by extreme climate change. It's about a world that's slightly worse than our own, uh, but instead of being so warm, it's so cold. Spring hasn't returned for the second year in a row, and the main character, Will, decides that she needs to leave home to try to find family. Yes, I, I love the idea of the extreme climate change going in you know the other direction, because you hear people say like, oh, if global warming is real, why why is it so cold out? It's like, well, you know, climate change is not just about the temperature getting warmer. It is about the extreme destabilization of climate, period. <laughs> so yeah. having it be like a, a chronic winter makes just as much sense as a, a overheated climate. Yeah, I remember, I, I think I've heard climate change referred to more and more now as climate chaos. Mm. You know, everything is just worse. You know, the summers are hotter, the winters are colder, the storms, you know, as we're seeing, all kinds of storms are much worse. And, right. you know, I lived in Ohio for many years, and I don't know if you're familiar with that part of the country, but, you know, we often have bad weather there, extremes. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, one spring was just really, really late, and the weather was so bad and so cold, like into June. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, well, what if spring just never came? And that's part of how the book came about. That sounds like the uh, the spring of 2015 specifically. I'm actually in Ohio. I'm smack in the middle in Columbus. Oh, my gosh. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So um, what part of Ohio do you kind of picture this area being? Um, well, I lived for decades in uh, Appalachian, Ohio, Athens County, mm. sort of uh, close to the West Virginia border. So right. that's definitely I think that's. Even if it's not apparent, I think that's been the setting for everything I've written for many years, and it's definitely the setting here. Yeah, that was kind of like what I thought um, 
but I just sort of wanted to to ask. I can definitely see that it, for listeners who might not be familiar with Ohio geography, um, the southeastern corner of Ohio is very like it's very rocky and hilly, and there's mm. huge amounts of like natural cliffs and gorges and all that kind of thing. So it's very dramatic. It's a very dramatic uh, landscape, I would say. It is. And important for the story of the book, it's um, a really good place to grow weed. It's very (laughs) wild. You know, there's acres and acres of untended land and miles Mm -hmm. of forest. And you can... I mean, it was an hour and a half drive for me to go to the airport each way. So you can really get lost there. And I think sometimes people who maybe aren't familiar with Ohio or parts of the the middle of the United States, they kind of just dismiss us as one, you know, glob of area. (laughs) Um, But Ohio is one of the ones that it's really different in different parts of the state. For sure. And southeastern Ohio is a little bit like the Wild West in, in some ways, in ways of its kind of wildness. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. People do, people think that like Ohio is just, it's like a monolith. There's just one Ohio, which is very much untrue. I mean, in Columbus, it's very flat and mm-hmm. um, suburban sprawly, but you get down into Athens County or Vinton County and it's very, very different, which is, which mm-hmm. is really well captured in, in the book. So the world in Road Out of Winter is like winter has come and stayed and it is just pressing down on everyone. Resources are very scarce. Um, it's That is an area that is already sort of deeply affected by poverty. So you can only imagine how that would be more intense in a, a climate crisis such as this. Um, and it's not a very hospitable world for women. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, And I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier that, you know, many of us are kind of already living in dystopia. So it makes sense that, you know, when the world gets harder, it would get harder for certain people more than others. Right. And your main character, Will, she sort of is experienced with the threats that men pose to a woman just being in the world, um, maybe particularly being in the the weed growing business. Um, but you have some lines that just absolutely stopped my heart on this topic, which I would like to talk about. Um, I was writing them down as I was reading, but at one point she says, I wished the world was women. And that is just like, that is a thought that I have had so many times, you know, like it's true when you're, when you need, when you're vulnerable in any way, when you are out, on your own, um, even if you're not in a dramatic dystopian situation, like just being a woman in a crowd of men feels threatening very often. Yeah, absolutely. And she's just trying to do, I mean, it's not an ordinary world in the book, but she's just trying to do ordinary things. They're just trying to drive out of state to find family. You know, they didn't, she didn't do anything wrong, but just by existing in the body that she was born in, it can be a threat and it can be something wrong to some people, to the wrong kind of people who they do end up encountering. Yes. Um, Another line that I really loved is when Will says, all men reminded me of other men, uh, which I think is just so true. Like, the experience of feeling that particular kind of threat is so universal 
among women and also every experience that you as an individual have feels like every other time that you've experienced that. Absolutely. And it's, it's depressing. I mean, it's hard to be like, oh, here we go again, you know, (laughs) this again. And it really does feel like, you know, they encounter multiple groups on their journey. And so many times it is like, well, this again, you know, yes, (laughs) here we are. Yes. And the more things change in the world, the less things still change when it comes to things like, you know, oppression and gender equality and, and even, you know, safety. For sure. Absolutely. So Will's, Will as a character is, she's she's a great fit for this podcast, I think, because she's like, she's so stubborn and frustrating, but also so relatable, which I really like. And another thing that about her is very relatable is the way that you've written her as a bi woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's chat about that for a bit. Um, it's a, a very popular topic here on this podcast, the experience of being a a bisexual woman and what exactly that means to you to other people so you know what are your some of your thoughts about um writing a bi character well i didn't set out to do that per se just like i didn't intentionally set out to write the story i did in fact i i stopped writing the first draft a few weeks in because in my mind i thought they were going to drive all the way across the country to california and they mm-hmm. just kept getting out of West Virginia. They just kept not getting out of West Virginia. And I was really frustrated. And so I left the book for several months. And when I returned, I realized, oh, well, well, they don't get out of West Virginia. That's like the whole story. And I think the same is true of Will's character. I originally had tried to force this love triangle between her and her two male companions who become friends on the journey. And that just was awful. It was not working, (laughs) you know, and I just thought, why am I doing this? This is not true to the story and this is not true to me either. So I didn't consciously set out to make her queer. And I don't know exactly that she would even call herself that if she has, she doesn't have that language or that community, Um, but she just loves who she loves. And her experience of romantic love so far in this small town has been, you know, not working out, nobody really seeing her, which was also my experience um, for a while. You know, and I also, it was really important to me, I did set out intentionally to make her a marijuana grower because I thought, you know, I wanted that element of surprise and I wanted to talk about some of the poverty and economics and gender of that. Um, you know, it might surprise you to find a bi woman marijuana farmer in Appalachia, but I think it would surprise some people about all the things you can find in Appalachia, you know, Uh, not only queer people and queer community, but incredible artists, incredible journalists and minds at work, as well as the poverty that you're used to seeing. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like there's, you know, kind of a Appalachian experience that you'll see in media frequently um, or in, you know, popular culture that doesn't really speak to the breadth of experiences that can exist there. I mean, it's like anywhere else, there is no one experience. Um, and it's very true for being a queer person, too, uh, which is, you know, can get tricky as a writer writing queer characters. We want to write characters that are relatable and well-crafted but you you also have to understand that like my experience as a queer person is different from everyone else's and that's like that's good that's what makes the world an interesting place is that people are different Um, it's just a shame when people can have a hard time sort of realizing that 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was, um, I was really afraid. Well, I was afraid of multiple things about that with the book. You know, the first is that it hasn't really been marketed as a queer book. And so, you know, I was telling my friend Melissa, whose book Tomboyland just came out, that, and she's also bi. I said, I feel like I've had to come out like a thousand times in the course <laughs> of this book promo, yeah. you know, because I want to be like, you should believe me and read my story. Um, and there's, But there's not really... You know, I did get the phrase found family in the description on the back cover, which mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, maybe that's a clue. Maybe people will see and then they'll know that there's a queer character. Um, but then I was also afraid of the opposite reaction of, you know, um, people who are straight getting angry at the book or feeling like they had been misled or I was pushing some sort of agenda on them or something. And, you know, I haven't. I try to avoid reviews, so I haven't really read anything that said that. Um, But I have stumbled upon some reviews that actually did the opposite. Um, You know, from women that said, like we talked about earlier, they really identified with Will's struggle just as a woman in general in Mm -hmm. a man's world. And the violence that she's encountered, maybe not because of her uh, sexual identity, but her gender identity you know, and um, how she tries to fit in and she's just trying to make her way and she's just not allowed to. Um, And that's something that you can relate to, you know, no matter what your identity is, I think. Yes, that is very true. I, I write a mystery series featuring a bi private investigator and some of the comments that I get that I love the most are when people say things like, I've never read a book about a person like me. And it's true, there are Mm -hmm. not a ton of like adult bisexual narrators right now I mean you look at young adult and it's very different because the identities that are being highlighted in young adult fiction um, are just so much broader and it's like so exciting to think about all of the the teens reading those books and are going to grow up expecting all books to be like that and I love that but in the adult space it's it's still kind of a thing that you have to have to think about um, and it can it can get kind of uncomfortable. I totally know what you mean when you said uh, you feel like you've had to come out repeatedly during book promo. Um, I, too, have experienced that. And I'm in a long-term relationship with a woman. That doesn't make me any less bi. I, you know, I'm still bi. I'm not, like, grandfathered into being a lesbian because of this. Uh, but even that's something that even allies don't get. Like, bisexuality is confusing to people. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm kind of in the opposite sphere. I'm in a long-term relationship with a man, but that doesn't erase who I am and the experiences that I've had and my identity. Um, But it's the same thing. I didn't grow out of it. It wasn't like a phase. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it, it, you know, the identity of being bi is not about the person that you're partnered with. Like, it's not, it doesn't mean like, oh, you have to decide or something. Like, it's ridiculous. But people just don't understand. Um, I I don't read reviews either. I That was something that I learned very early on in my publishing journey that like I could read a hundred glowing reviews and then one shitty one. And of course, I would only think about the shitty one. That's all you um, remember. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, it doesn't matter how many wonderful reviews you, there are. Like, I'll sometimes read one like if it if it's in a, like a, magazine or a newspaper but like goodreads and amazon reviews like i cannot even go there um so that is a way that i've sort of kept myself isolated from comments about the the sexual orientation of my character but 
Uh, hopefully you will not experience this too much, but people write to me a lot on the contact page of my website <laughs> to share their thoughts and opinions. Um, I'd like to share one that I got last week, actually, because I feel like it's relevant. So keep in mind that my main character is bi and has been bi through the entire series. It's like not a secret or not hidden at all. It's like very prominent in the book. So a gentleman wrote to me, I'm reading this book and enjoying it, but why all the lesbian backstory? I'm all for the LGBT community and respect everyone's right to be with whomever they choose. But is the entire community running amok with lesbians? Is anyone straight in this town? Like, first of all, (laughs) to be clear, sir, there's like four queer characters and all the rest are just not specified or straight people and it's just so bizarre that suddenly means running amok with lesbians there's literally zero zero characters in the book who are identified specifically as lesbians like but bi characters don't exist so i don't know exactly (laughs) exactly there's people who who kiss there's women who kiss women so obviously they're all just lesbians even Mm -hmm. though most of the book is about uh sort of figuring out your identity like it's just, it's so bizarre that like someone had that thought and they were like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna find the author's website i'm gonna tell her <laughs> like what <laughs> one of the things that i did early on for my mental health which i'm sure you've done too but i recommend it to everyone is like on twitter you know i don't see the comments that people make to me if i don't follow them Mm. But still, you do encountered one. You counter them sometimes, and it was some tweet I had made when my bur- my book first came out, and you know I said this is like a feminist dystopia about climate change, and you know some man commented, "Well, isn't feminism isn't feminism a dystopia by itself?" <laughs> so it's like thank you for sharing that opinion that right. was not asked for and it's not relevant. Oh my god. Why like why? I mean, of, of course it was some guy like just why are men like this? No one knows. It's a mystery. Uh but it's so frustrating like to to, to I don't even understand like the psychology of being someone to have kind of a shitty mean thought and feel like I want to tell the person directly. I want to tell them. Like that's just, yeah. I can't imagine doing that. Like, I'm sure that I've had snarky thoughts about lots of books. I would never just contact the author to be like, Bleh. you know, like, what is that? I don't that? have that kind of free time. I mean, right. you know. <laughs> exactly. Who has the time? It's crazy. But I think that, and I don't know if it's more men who do this or not, but I, I you know, I think that when it comes to bi characters, sometimes I feel like people are angry that they don't understand it and they don't yeah. feel included, you know, I think and that's, so then I think they that's rush. True. Yeah, they rush to label it or condemn it or, or even say that it's not real. Yeah, and I've, I've had some um, emails from readers who identify as lesbian who, like, in, in the end of my third book, um, Roxanne Weary, my main character, is sort of possibly pursuing a relationship with a man. And I got some comments that were like, why did you decide to make her bi at the end of this book? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I didn't. She's been by through the whole series. Like, I, I don't see how you can say, oh, it's disappointing to see a, a good lesbian character turned by. Like, that's, no. 
Yeah, and it says about more about us and our assumptions, too. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think, I think you mentioned earlier that there's not a lot of adult fiction that has bi main characters. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you're right, I was like trying to research for this podcast and having some trouble finding stuff. But And then I was thinking that I think the first book I ever read, which had a character that that wasn't labeled as such, but that may have been by, uh, was The Secret History mm, by Donna yep. Tart. Mm-hmm. And the main character sleeps with, uh, who is a man, he sleeps with another man. And I remember at the time reading it and being like, oh, I just assumed he was straight. Maybe that was, I shouldn't have done that. You know, that was my assumption that I shouldn't have been doing that. But what I liked about that book and about other books that have characters this way is just this sort of casual fact of their identity, you know? Yes. It just is. It's not a plot point. It's not, it doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. It doesn't even have to be the story. It's just part of who they are. Exactly. And like, that's like, that's very true to life because, you know, for most queer people I know, like it, that is just one of many elements to an identity. Mm. Like I'm sure it is possible to sort of own it as your, you know, your main identity if you wish, but like queer people are just people having experiences and some of them happen to be sexual experiences with people of the same gender. That's not, that that, that doesn't define anything about our lives, Um, like affects the way we see the world, but it doesn't, it's not like, me going to the grocery store is me doing something queerly, you know, <laughs> like it's just regular. Um, <laughs> and it's, it should just be in, in, you know, books and movies presented as a natural organic part of someone's character, not like, Oh, here, this person is the queer character and everything that they do and say is about queerness and they can only have, um, you know, coming out storylines or they can only have like custody dispute storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you can have a queer character having a storyline that's about literally anything. It doesn't have to be about their sexual orientation. Um, and in the mystery and thriller space, I feel like this is a genre that's like behind the times, even in general from adult fiction as a whole, where, like a queer character is sort of inserted to be like you said a plot point or some sort of storytelling device or uh it's sort of like oh this person is bi that means you can't trust them like right right they're very tricksy (laughs) yes yes they're tricksy they're sneaky you can't trust them you can't believe anything they say because look at them sleeping with men and women you know they have like edgy haircuts and they wear <laughs> right. like leather jackets and they you know are always promiscuous and right. just dangerous you know yes yes and the idea of like um equating like bisexuality with being promiscuous or being non-monogamous like that those are all different right. things like they're all they're all different they're all fine but like they're not the same <laughs> They're not the same, no. And I'm not sure where that comes from. I mean, just because you or your character is attracted to every gender or more than one gender doesn't mean you literally go after that all the time or that you want to or pursue that, you know? I mean, I consider myself a very boring bisexual person. (laughs) Um, In many ways, so is my character, Will, you know? She's kind of boring. She 
She had some bad experiences with men. Maybe she could have a good experience with her female friend that she's kind of been quietly in love with for a long time. Or maybe it's her old friend from high school who's a man, you know? Um, I, I think we need more of those boring bisexuals in fiction. Yes, I, I definitely agree. Because, um, like, you can, you can be attracted to both genders or multiple genders without being attracted to every person that you see. Like, are straight people attracted to every person of the opposite gender they see? I mean, right. I don't think so. Maybe some... Maybe some men are. We talk about how the penis goes where it's called on this podcast a lot. They can't was, control it. I was just listening to one of your podcasts where you mentioned that phrase. <laughs> so, like, you know, there, there's that whole thing. These men are powerless to stop it. But, like, but no, in general, like, people live their lives not, like, pursuing a sexual encounter with every person they see. So, like, it doesn't make sense that a bi person would be more likely to do that than a straight person. Like, yeah, there's possibly, in theory, more people that you could be attracted to. But, like, it doesn't add up. The the logic of this. I have a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah, there are all kinds of bi people, just like there are all kinds of straight people. Yes. Um, But I think we've been denied that complexity in life and in fiction, too. Yes, for sure. Um, we are an episode that came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was the three of us really talking about the, the archetype of the, the bad bisexual and, um, all of the ways that a person could be bad, whether that's a bisexual person who is bad or a person who is bad at being bi. Um, many, many things to consider. We came to the conclusion that we're all bad at it because we are all in long-term relationships with one person. Right. (laughs) So that, that sort of complicates things. Um, and like, it doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, of course it matters, but like I am in a relationship with a woman, Lane and Wendy are both with men. We're all equally by mm-hmm. like it's just one of those things that like people don't understand it and even the queer community doesn't understand it um you know the idea of like how can you be how can you be this if it looks like you're being this and it's like the way things look are are not what it's all about it's so much more complicated than that of course it is yeah and it's it's just very sad that both uh straight communities and um, queer communities don't necessarily understand or embrace bisexual people and identity. I mean, I, I definitely feel that we're misunderstood by both or ignored by mm-hmm. both. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I was thinking about the L word the other day, the original one. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the updated one. No, and bisexuality, either. like, does not exist in that universe. Right. You know, it's just somebody's going through a phase or they can't make up their mind or they finally come to their senses. Right. But it's just, it's not really acknowledged as a real thing. And I kind of have felt that at times. I mean, the people that have really welcomed me in the queer community have been uh, more lesbian and trans friends. Mm-hmm. But I definitely had, you know, white gay men that kind of looked at me like, well, that was just a phrase, you know, you were just bored or mad at men and now you're over it. (laughs) But, you know, who you love is not a a phase and it's not really a choice either. No, it's just, it's just who you are. And that's, 
like that should be enough you shouldn't need to explain yourself more than that but like we do constantly explaining ourselves that's like kind of our um the curse of like being a, a queer writer I feel like it's not only do you have to keep like coming out you also have to keep explaining yourself and your choices in your books just constantly like I'm several years into all of this and it hasn't changed so I think it is here to stay I think um you know I don't know when this is going to be aired but this could apply to any time I mean just today I think there was like this big twitter storm and controversy about that about the pressure to kind of come out or identify yourself if you're writing a certain type of story, Mm -hmm. you know, and the fact is that, you know, people have really complicated lives and sometimes we write about things in art because we can't really say it in real life always. Right. That's true. Yeah. Well, I think that there, it's very interesting, like to, to talk about the idea of um, like own voices in publishing and Mm -hmm. there can be, this this belief of some people generally straight white authors feeling like well what I hear you saying is that I can't write stories about any other identity unless I have that identity and that sort of goes hand in hand with the idea of if you have this identity you have to be public about it to get credit for that right and, and also, probably you can only write about that identity. Right, You know, exactly. you can't write about anything else. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I wish that everyone would just take a deep breath and take a step back. And it's like, everyone can write whatever they want. And if you are writing outside of your own identity, you sort of are responsible for doing the work to make sure you're doing it well. And if you're doing it well, it doesn't matter if you share that identity or not. And if you're doing it badly, people will notice. Yeah. And that's just, that's it. Like, like I really hate it when I see, like, this happens on, on book Twitter every few months, it seems like, some new kerfuffle about, but I want to write these stories. And it's like, write whatever stories you want, but do the work to figure out how to do it right. And if you don't, people will notice, and they'll call you out for it, and you'll get canceled. <laughs> You know, like, that's just how it is. No one is saying you can't write that. And no one is saying you have to sort of be front and center about all of your identities all the time. Like, people are complicated. Lives are complicated. Not everyone is in a position to be, you know, the full extent of who they are in a public way. Um, And that has to be okay. And I think it would help, too, if you know, publishing made more space for marginalized creators and, you know, paid writers who were not the, you know, the cis, straight, white, abled male paid the rest of us a little bit more too. You know, I think it's been Mm -hmm. like, we're fighting over too small a piece of the pie and there's this whole huge pie, you know, that I think we need to cut a little bit more equally. And I think, you know, we need to do that as far as paying marginalized writers more, giving us bigger advances, publicizing our work more, Mm -hmm. but also on the level of, you know, having more editors of color, um, having more queer editors and people in publishing. I mean, um, along with being bi, I'm disabled, I'm partially deaf, and I constantly feel my identities kind of at war with each other, you know, and, and I feel like 
uh, people with disabilities are often left out of the room. You know, we're left, there's no space for us at the table. And um, I was reading some percentage of people in publishing who are disabled, and it's so low. It's something Mm. like, oh, I don't know, 90% of people who work in publishing do not have a disability or do not identify as such. Wow. And that's really hard not to see yourself reflected in those spaces yes that is that is that's really um that is a huge number that's very strange and i think um we like in our current time there there are have been and there are going to be a lot of reckonings surrounding um you know the types of people who are put in positions to be decision makers in publishing or you know people who are given the opportunities to be editors or publishers um and like i think that that is a very good thing of course but it's like there's so there's so many layers to it that Mm -hmm. it's not like oh well great we we solved it you know even when there's like one week where you know brands are being like we're going to do better and be more inclusive in our marketing and then it's right. like a week later, it's like back on the same bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not like, you know, you're, you're like, oh, we did one photo shoot with, you know, people from a marginalized background and now it's, it's solved and we can go back to having the, the cis white straight people, uh, filling everything up. And it's like, it's a, it is a, going to be a long process and you can't like let up when we start getting momentum with these things but like it's just so hard how like how how can anyone make anything happen in this world right it's very hard it's very hard and especially I think you know I think we're put in such a position where we're like oh we got a tiny little crumb we better not make any more fuss this is all we get you know (laughs) this is what we get for 10 years you know like (laughs) right I am just beyond thrilled when my book has been mentioned and any sort of roundup of queer fiction, because I'm like, oh my gosh, they mentioned bisexual characters. I, <laughs> I can't believe that A, they read that far, and B, they like they care about us. You know, they right, remember right. we exist because so often they don't. For sure. No matter what someone identifies as in their personal life, we're, we're all just writers who want to write good stories and get them in front of readers who will respond to them. Um, yeah. And that can get difficult when there are all these like layers and boxes that people want to put you in like you know I understand it's like the nature of the human brain to look for patterns and sort of like make decisions on things and put it in here or put it here you know sorting as you go and like I get that but it's like you know a good story is a good story it doesn't matter to the story like what identity a character or an author has A, a story well told is just that and like that's really what we're all trying for you know and a good story is also complex and things happen and it is totally quote normal in life to date women for a while and then date men or vice versa and it's totally normal that a character would do that too you know um i think we need to i mean my 
next book that I have coming out next year is called Trashlands. And uh, my friend Stacy Jane Grover, who is a writer, she read an early draft for me. And she said that she really liked it that one of the characters was queer and said it was really boring that she was queer. <laughs> like, And she said, you know, we need more boring queer stories. Yes. You know? Yes, I am so here for boring queer characters who are just like yep i'm queer but it's not you know that's all it is this whole other mystery that has nothing to do with that right you know there's this whole other thing that happens and that's not the hinge that it turns upon right um when i was researching characters to talk about for this podcast i came upon so much that talked about you know why are so many bisexual characters psychopaths or sociopaths (laughs) right you know, which they are. They're, like, promiscuous, and they're bad, and they're, like, killers all the time. Yeah, they're killers, maybe even assassins, like... Right. It, it's it's very... It's, like, who who hurt these writers? Like, what happened in their lives to them to make them do this? Um, it's, like, code... Bisexuality is code to make them dangerous somehow. Yes, I you think know, that like it, that's edgy. exactly what it is. And it's, like, it's very... It's a very lazy way of trying to create just trying to like do characterization to be like here's a stereotype i'm just gonna like rather than make this character behave in a way that indicates they're dangerous i'm going to just slap a label on them and then that's that yeah it's like code for something um or it's used as kind of a bisexuality is used as like a shorthand for something yes definitely oh well the character's bi so of course they're going to be late or of course they're going to murder someone. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. You'll see it, you know, so often in, um, like in old movies, like, um, Hayes code era movies where like, you know, in a Hitchcock film, you can, it's very obvious to see the characters that are being coded as queer, even though they don't go so far as to say that, but it's like you have with, um, you know men they're like they're like weird and slightly effeminate and creepy and like that's Mm -hmm. like that's the way that the movie gets across like this is the identity we're talking about and that that character is always the villain like yeah it's never that's never the hero um and it's like it's just so strange to think about how like you know in those days you couldn't just have an openly queer character in your movie. Now you definitely can, but for some reason we're still employing some of the same tactics. And I also feel like sometimes even now having a character be bisexual is kind of like this gateway drug or something or like a gateway bridge. Like they don't want to make them fully queer or they're afraid (laughs) to make them, you know, lesbian or gay. It's like, Oh, they're bisexual. You know, like there's always the chance they're going to go back across that bridge or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, um, presented as queer light. Like, right. Exactly. (laughs) It's just, it's like being like half queer or something, which is like, no, that's not at all what it is. Like this is a trial period, you know? (laughs) This isn't the 30-day free trial. I'm going to cancel it before it's over or else you'll get charged $79. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It is is odd. Have there been any books or, you know, movies or shows that you've seen recently that you think do um, bisexuality really well? Uh, The... 
one of the first books I was able to get through at the beginning of the pandemic um, was the uh, series, The Book of the Un- Unnamed Midwife mm. by Meg Ellison. And mm. um, the main character of the first book is bisexual. And then there's two other books in the series. And there's a character that's trans and some, you know, gender fluid characters. And um, just the way that she wrote about that was just what we've been talking about. It's very nonchalant. It does cause tension in the world, but it's just who the characters are, and they're not apologetic about that. Um, but again, that is a speculative fiction book. You know, it's not set in our world. Right. Um, so I wish that we had more of those kind of portrayals of bisexuality in books that weren't science fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be a fantasy that someone could love women and men, non-binary folk? Why right. does it have to be sci-fi that we could not face homophobia or biphobia? Right. Yeah. I I am a big fan of the show Killing Eve. Mm. Uh, I'm like the only person in America who hasn't seen it yet. Um, well, it's complicated. I mean, my <laughs> partner and I love that show. Uh, you know, the two main characters are presented as bisexual, but one is very clearly a sociopath murderer. Mm-hmm. And the other one is kind of has that kind of tendencies too. And even there's like minor characters who are bi, who um, like the main, one of the main characters boss, it, it's revealed that he's in an open marriage and he's been very promiscuous. And then he ends up, you know, not to spoil it, but he like dies in a horrible way. So even that show where bisexuality is very glamorous and exciting and um, you can feel the love and the attraction between the characters. But even in that show, you know, there's still psycho killers, which is hard to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just finished watching, um, I think it was on Netflix. It's called Teenage Bounty Hunters. Are you familiar with this show? I was interested by the title. So <laughs> so it is fantastic. Um, oh, great. It is about, as you might have guessed, teenage bounty hunters, um, but more specifically, uh, twin sisters who live in um, Georgia and are go to like a, a very like a wealthy Christian school and they're very come from a very straight laced background and they sort of stumble into... Um, becoming bounty hunters which is delightful and sort of midway through the the first season one of the characters um, begins a relationship with a a fellow female classmate Mm. and it's like it's done so well and so believably and it's like the show is still very much about being a bounty hunter but there's just this this extra layer of her sort of trying to figure out like what it means and like what she wants to do about it. And it's, it's just done really well. Um, it's a absolutely fantastic show. So fun, highly recommended. Um, and you don't see it done well in television a lot. I feel like the, the bi experience, especially like I was saying earlier, there's so many, um, queer stories that are just coming out stories. And even though this Mm -hmm. is kind of like the, the discovery phase of Sterling's sexual orientation, um, the way that it's handled, it's, it's very natural, and they managed to fit it into an otherwise incredibly suspenseful story. So it's not like this is a show about someone figuring out who they are. Like this is a show about someone kicking ass and also figuling out who they are. Um, really, That's really nice. good and fun. That, 
That sounds really good because, I mean, I was trying to think of other positive portrayals and it does seem like so many of the positive portrayals of bisexuality are, you know, for younger people Mm -hmm. or geared more towards young adults, like Sex Education, uh, which is a Netflix show, you know, but I think that especially, you know, common queer experience is that you have a later coming out, you know, you have a kind of later in life awareness of who you might be, especially if, you know, like me, you were raised in a small town. It was probably very conservative there, you know. Um, I I mean, I didn't know that bisexuality was a thing until I was in college. You know, I really didn't think that it was possible because I certainly didn't know anyone. Right. So I think if we can have those kind of nuanced portrayals about adults too, not just about young adults, but about people in middle age discovering themselves or just just living their normal bi lives would be great too. Yes, exactly. Living their normal bi lives, which may or may not be sort of boring sometimes. And like, that's great. Like I, I want all of the boring queer characters. And solving crimes that have nothing to do with their identity that just, you know, they find a murdered person or something. Right. Exactly. Like as you do, (laughs) as you do, you're living your life. Normally everything is fine. And then you just stumble upon a a body in the hedges. It's happened to the best of us. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, Road Out of Winter is absolutely gorgeously written and so compelling so everyone should definitely get on that if you like um strong women if you like dystopian creepiness or cult stuff which i love cult stuff uh (laughs) so that's very good Uh, you should definitely check it out and um yeah so i'm really glad that we were able to chat today thank you so much Thank you so much for doing this and having this space to talk about these issues and these characters. Absolutely. I think, you know, like many people, I wrote the book I needed to find, you know, and I couldn't yes. find. So Exactly. And that's really like that's the best that we can do as writers is to write that book that you wanted to read and never found. Um, and it's like, you know, good for us making those books exist. That's awesome. <laughs> We're making the path, even if we have to cut down a few trees to do so. Exactly. Well, thank you again. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.